Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, I was, I, I, maybe I thought I was in the wrong place because <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Hey guys, um, excited to be with you this morning. A couple of things. We have a lot of women that are up in the mountain right now. We have like 80 plus ladies up in the women's retreat. I know they're having an amazing time up there. I spoke with my wife last night and so we're continuing to pray for them. We had men's last week, the women's this week. So um, we're excited about what God's doing with them. Also guys, um, many of you know, maybe you don't know that um, um, I'm taking a sabbatical. So this is actually the last Sunday I'm gonna be with you this here. Next week, I'm preaching at our Encanto campus to so let them know what's going on. I'll be gone for three months. I'm traveling with my wife. We're going to be traveling in Europe. We're going to be going and following the footsteps of Paul. And we're going to be in Greece studying. When you look, read the book of Acts, we're actually going to visit the areas that Paul the Apostle went, planted. We're going to, be, we're going to actually go to the island of Patmos where he got the book of Revelation. We're going to go to Ephesus in Turkey. We're going to be in Greece and building Thessalonica and Corinth and Philippi. We're going to be doing a lot of this. We go to Rome and look at what's going on in Rome in the Roman times. And uh, just taking some time to seek the Lord, pray, uh, and come back. Uh, what's the next step that God wants to do with New Vision? Where do you want to take? What's the plans? And really, there's times where Jesus would take a retreat and step back and be his father in order to know where to go next. And so um, uh, we've been pastoring, I've been pastoring and founded this church 14 years, be 14 years old in October and what God has done. And... Um, and so I just feel like the Lord said, take some time, let me show you some stuff, and then I'm going to come back and share, giving direction to what's next for where we're going and what God is, is doing in the ministry. So pray for my wife and I as we're going to be taking a going and then, but we're also going to be sending you messages. So wherever we're traveling, we're going to be sending, you'll be hearing about our journey. We'll be playing some stuff for you guys so you can see uh, where we're at and what's happening. So we're going to stay in contact in, in, with you guys. I think we're setting up an Instagram page and a whole bunch of stuff on our journey so you can follow and know what's happening with us and what's going on with us. Amen. The other Bibles turn to the Gospel of John. We've been going through the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter. John 6, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 14 this morning. Many years ago, um, when we first started doing outreaches at New Vision, one of them was our Christmas outreach, which we now call the Hope Toy Drive. And we, we had a desire one year to feed and provide food and meat and gifts for over 500 families. I remember that was at the beginning, early days of our ministry where, you know, we weren't as big and we were still growing. We had these great faith dreams and stuff. And I remember when we wanted to do this, that, uh, but we didn't have all the resources at the time. We didn't have a lot of stuff coming. We've been praying and we've been seeking and so we wanted to give them food packages and all these different things. And I remember as we were drawing course to this Christmas outreach, we hadn't got a lot of food. I think um, we had enough for about 250 bags. That's all. We, we didn't have the meats. We didn't have anything yet. And we had, the church had gone to a prayer and fasting week that week right before the outreach. We know we do that every year. We pray and fast and seek the Lord. And I remember we were praying, God, we don't have enough. We have 500 families we want to bless, but we don't have enough food. We don't have enough gifts. We don't have enough of these things. And I remember praying. And, you know, when you, when you, I was actually praying, Lord, bring the quail. <laughs> Lord, bring the manna, Lord. We need something. And I remember Pastor, uh, Pastor Hyde and Pastor Brent got a phone call. He got a phone call from a lady who were putting together food packages, and it says, hey, um, we have the 250 food packages ready for you to pick up that you ordered. And Pastor Brent says, we never ordered any food packages from you guys. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we have sitting in our office 250 uh, packages of food. So we went and picked that all up, right? And we had made another 250, but we didn't have any. We, our desire was to have some chicken, some meat, something for the families. And we were like, Lord, we don't have any meat. We don't have anything. We're praying. And I believe we, our outreach was going to be on Sunday morning. And uh, on late Thursday night, we found out that um, Feeding San Diego had 500 chickens, big chickens. We're like, whoa. So that's exactly what we needed. And so I said, get them, buy them, we'll buy them. So we, and we got them for really, really cheap and we bought them. But then I thought, okay, they usually come in like big boxes and you got to separate them. And we, I know, okay, let's go get them. We'll pick them on Saturday. We'll separate them, get them ready for the families. And when they arrived, they were individually packed already and stuff. Guys, when we wanted to plan to feed the multitudes, we wanted to plan to feed people 
God supernaturally provided for us and every need was met, every family was blessed, every toy was given. And we were, you know, years later now with the Hope Toy Drive, look how many people God brings us during the Hope Toy Drive. Thousands of people come that we get to feed and provide for the multitude during the season. When you get to chapter six, that's exactly what's going on. We've been journeying through the gospel of John. And last week we found ourselves in chapter five in Jerusalem where he heals the man, the paralytic who had been sick for 38 years. He arises to walk. He raises him on a Sabbath day. And then what do they do? All the religious leaders begin to address, how come you healed on the Sabbath? How come you did this work? And, and, and then he, they begin to attack him. And what do we read at the end of the chapter? He begins to give a defense for the reason why he did what he did on the Sabbath and who he was. That's where we left the story. By the time you get to chapter six, now he's left Jerusalem, right? And he's heading, he's heading north to the Sea of Galilee, where we started the book in chapter one with. He's, he's doing these full circles. He's done one full circle already. Now this is the second full circle. If you're a child, if you've been going with me, you'll see this like this journey of going in circles as he travels. Let's read John six here, and we're going one through 14. It says, after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing the great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place, so men sat down in numbers of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, and much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. And therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of five barley loaves were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men whom they had seen the sign that Jesus did said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord. And so we humbly come to you, Lord, this morning, teaching us how do we care for others? How do we have compassion for others? Compassion for the multitude, Lord. Father, I pray that you would stir our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Really this morning, the, having compassion for the multitudes, how do we see things? How do we perceive things? There's a lot of need out there today. You only have to drive around. You only have to walk around and see the need around, even in our own city, on corners. You know, guys, you know, they're, with their signs, and you have people in need, and there's, there's much need. How do we as a church respond to that? In chapter 6, chapter 6 is the longest book in the Gospel of John, or the longest chapter, I should say. It has 71 verses. And it's really addressing this whole situation with Jesus doing this miracle, defeating the 5,000, him walking on water, and then revealing to the people that he is the bread of life, and that he begins to confront them and say, look it, you follow me because I feed you, but I'm the bread of life, and I will sustain you. And so the whole chapter is about that. We'll get into it with the other pastors next week as they get into that. But we're going to look at a couple of things this morning. The first thing is this, that multitudes are motivated by signs and wonders. The people coming and following Jesus were motivated because he was doing a, a magic show, they thought. He was doing a trick show by doing all the healings and all the things that he had done. You know, I love the 4th of July. We're coming into the summertime. And when you go out to this, you can go out to the Embarcadero. You can go out and watch all the fireworks in the neighborhood. You see it. And all these wonderful fireworks booming all over colors. And everybody's just an ooze and awes of at what they see because it's so glamorous. It's so crazy by what you see. But it was, when it's all said and done, they're like, oh, that was great. You kind of all walk away from that, right? Well, in some sense, what was happening, Jesus, the last five, six chapters, he's been doing all these miracles. He's, he's out baptizing people. He's already did the, the, the miracle at the wedding of Canaan. He's already, he's already done the heal of the nobleman. He's healed the man on the paralytic. He's, and they said he did multiple healings. So it's like, that's like been like the fireworks show that like, wow, everybody's enamored and like, woo and ah, and what's going on. And so then he leaves to Jerusalem and heads back up north and he's going to do another miracle. It's actually going to be the fourth sign we're going to see here. And so what's happening here is that the multitudes are seeking 
for a sign. Look at verse 1 and 2. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and the great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Right? Jesus leaves Jerusalem, travels north about 60 miles. Like, we know he just healed the paralytic man. Jesus could have did more healings along the way. The scripture doesn't necessarily that. But later in John chapter 20, it, it says that John writes that Jesus did many miracles, many things that are not written in this gospel. So maybe he traveled back through Judea, did miracles. Remember, he went through Judea to get to Samaria. In chapter 4, we talked about the Samaritan woman. Maybe he traveled through Samaria to see how, how she was doing. And as he heads north, he goes into the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, which is the AKK, another name for the Sea of Galilee, right? Herod gave this name after Tiberius Caesar, who was a, a political leader. He named it over there. But we see that we know that he travels a little further north and ends up at a place called Bethsaida, Bethsaida, which is where he's going to do this miracle uh, in a moment of, of the feeding the five uh, thousands. But I know he, he returns to where he started. He returns back home. This is where he did the first two miracles, right? The, the wedding of Canaan and the noblemen. Right, this is where he did the first very two meals. Why did he mention places like the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee? I tell you why, because not only is this Bible inspirational, it's historical. I want you to see that that by naming places and locations that existed in that time gives validity to the Scripture, saying that there's a history aspect to what we're doing. There's places today that are named, that were there long ago. So it's giving validity that these are real places and what happens, happens in real time at that time, and it's legit. That's why John writes in such detail about these very things. We know that Luke is also a gospel. These, this story is told in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only healing or, or miracle mentioned in all four gospels. Luke was a great physician. He was a physician. He was a, a medical missionary that assisted Paul. When you read his book, he gives a lot of details, very specifics, because that's how doctors are to operate, right? They give details to what's going on. And so we see here the details being listed in the scriptures. But John also gives a reason why they're following him, why the multitudes, and it was really for wrong motives. We know that Jesus' popularity was growing, uh, but they were, their commitment was not necessarily growing for him. They just were following him for the signs. And they came from, for many reasons, um, and not necessarily for the right reason. And people will come that way to church, or they might come to certain things. We, I mentioned we do the Hope Drive. We do the Hope Drive, and we get the multitude. We get four, 7,000 people to come in. And they, why? What's their motive? Their motive is to get a toy. Their motive is not come to see Jesus. Jesus. Really, the motive is to get a gift. Right? And some of the people were following Jesus for that motive. Hey, I need a healing. I have some afflictions. I have some disease. I have some need. I'm going to where I can get some help. But look at God will always use that to introduce himself. God is not going to judge people when they come for wrong motives. You might come here to church for a lot of variety of reasons. Some might be good, some might be bad. So like some people might come to church and they only come to church because they're trying to get something from the church, right? Or or whatever it might be. But the reality of this, God never, ever really throws stones why people came. I love that about that. That's the love of God. That's the mercy of God. He's just grateful that there people are there. Why? Because he gets to share about who he is. We're grateful that you are here today, whether you're here for the right motive, that you get to hear about Jesus, the, simpl the simplicity of the gospel. And so they're coming here, right? And, and they're falling because he could do signs and wonders. Later on, he, he actually reveals the reason why he came, because you drop into down to verse 26 in John chapter 6, because you seek me because you ate the loaves and were filled. He just basically said, hey, you're following me because I have a good lunch program. And I get to bless you. You know, you got some fish tacos, you got some fish tacos, a little bread, a little fish, right? Hey, you follow me because I got a great health plan. You come and Jesus heals you. You're following me for all these great reasons, all these reasons. That's why you're following. Later on, he's going to say, I'm the bread of life. Guys, anytime he said that to the disciples, I'm going to send you out and make you fishers of men. In order to be a fisherman, you need some bait, right? You need some bait. And the bait was the food. The bait was the miracles. The bait was to draw people in so they could see who Jesus was. It wasn't really about the miracles and the, all these things and the healings. It was really about him revealing his deity, his power, who he is and what he's about to do, that people would come to know him intimately. But what does he do here? He says, here's your motives. But he's sitting at the Sea of Galilee. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a, like there's a ravine, a mountain there, and there's the sea. 
And he begins to sit down with his disciples and share with them. You see that in three and four. The miracle is about to take place. And it says this, and Jesus went up to the mountain and there he sat with the disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews was near. <clears throat> why did Jesus kind of step back a little before he did this miracle? There was a couple of reasons why. Number one, remember I said the story is in all four gospels. So you have to read all four gospels and understand the full picture of what was going on. Here's the thing that was going in, 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 um, we know that Jesus in Luke 9 had sent out the disciples to go do great works and he empowered them and they were doing signs and wonders and miracles and healings and casting out demons and all these different things. And this was a great work. And then they came back to Jesus and Jesus now says, hey, let's go have a little conversation. And so they have a little conversation and the, and the disciples are giving a report to Jesus all that he had done. All the crazy stuff that it was happening. In fact, in, in Mark chapter 6, what does it say? That, that Jesus is so blown away that he said, hey man, you guys are doing a great work. Go, go out a while and rest a while because you, you're tired. He says that to the disciples after they give this report. But in the, list, in the midst of all that, the multitude have noticed that Jesus was on the, on the other side and said so they come falling. So when it was time to rest, they didn't get to rest because now the multitudes are there. And he's beginning to share and he's beginning to teach um, what was going on there. We know in the story that there were over 5,000 people, it says 5,000 5, men were present. But there was also women and children. Remember, we're going to read about a lad right now, a little boy. So there had to be women and children. There could have been up to 15 to 20,000 people on that sea. I don't know if they ever got permits to do that in gathering. I know if you did that in San Diego, we'd have to get permits. You know what I mean? But they just threw parties on the beach is all they did. All right, so all these multitudes are coming. Maybe another reason... Maybe they're following it because of Cassie. But another reason, it was the Passover time. So there might have been journeying down to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast of Passover and say, hey, man, let's stop by the Sea of Galilee. There, man, there's this crazy rabbi doing some crazy stuff. And so they may have been coming because they were heading down to Jerusalem and they stopped through Galilee to head, to go head down further south. But I think a lot of times the people were being entertained by Jesus or needed to be assisted by him for their affirmities. And they came and that's what he needed. And so we're, we're called to have compassion on the multitudes. Guys, how can we have compassion for the multitude? Number one, I think we could pray for people. I think pray for people. I, I have an app. I want you to consider this. There's an app called Bless Every Home. I have it on my phone. Bless Every Home. And if you want, you can go look up. I'm going to put this on your phone. What it does is you, put your, you open it up, you put your name on it, and it gives you, you put your address, and it pops down all your neighbors that are next to you, that you could pray for them. And, and it'll, it'll show you there. And I'm like, oh yeah, not, there's my neighbors, right? And it has it by name, this person, this person. And what it does is it does, is it tells you, reminds you to pray for them, reminds you to share with them, reminds you to invite them to connect with Jesus, reminds them connected to a church. Have you had contact with them? Had you share with them? You know, the, the multitudes, they're countywide, San Diego's 3.3 million people, okay? Citywise, we're 1.3 million people. That's a multitude. That's a multitude of people. In the 3.3 million people, there are over 1,700 evangelical churches in San Diego, uh, in this neighborhood. San Diego is such a diverse community. We're a border community. We're a port city. We're a touristy city, right? It's diverse. We have a lot of diversity in our city. And the church needs to reach the multitudes. It needs to bless the multitudes. You know, I know Pastor Nate said nine out of 10 kids don't go to church in the public schools, Right? So there's a lot of work to be done. How many people in the neighborhood really come? How many people as a whole come to church? We have a need and we need to have some compassion to bless the multitudes this morning. And so how did Jesus respond to that? Number one, here's the second thing. Jesus responded to the needs of the multitude. We see that in verses five through nine. We know that there are five basic needs for life. There's physical need, right? Breathing, Food, water, shelter, sleep. There's security needs, health, employment, family, stability. There's belonging needs, right? How, how do we belong? We need community. We need connection with others. We need family intimacy. There's emotional needs, right? Mental health, confidence, identity, acceptance, respect. And lastly, there's purpose. There's morality, significance, significance achievements, these are all basic needs we need as people. Jesus is the provider of all those needs. Jesus will meet 
Man does not have the capacity to meet every single need. I don't care what we do. We, you know, he does not have the capacity to meet every single needs. But Jesus has the capacity to meet every single need. And he meets one of those needs in chapter 6 by taking care of some physical needs, which I think will touch the emotional needs and the mental health needs as he's basically touching the physical needs, right? He, he meets that need immediately. And so though our humanity and our society can't feed every physical, spiritual, emotional need, Jesus can. So first, why? Why was he willing to meet the needs? Number one, Jesus moved with compassion and mercy. Look at chapter, verse five. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, seeing a great multitude coming toward him. So he saw the masses, 15, 20,000 people there coming to him. But you have to go to the gospel of Mark to get a better picture. It says this, and Jesus, in, in, in Mark chapter six, and Jesus, when he came out, <coughs> saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. He saw the multitude as he lifted up his eyes, he came. And then he began to even teach them. He sat and had a conversation with disciples and taught them. Now he's having conversation and sitting with those in the multitude that's coming. I'm going to tell you some teaching always precedes the miracle. And sometimes the teaching is what ushers in the miracle. The miracles are alive because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And so we see that happen. He's beginning to speak to them. It doesn't say what he spoke. He says he taught them, right? He taught them. He didn't preach at them. He taught them. And there's a difference between preaching and teaching. He was instructing maybe about life. He was instructing about the kingdom of God. He was instructing about a lot of spiritual things and they're beginning to listen to them because Luke 9 says he talked about the kingdom of God. But it says Jesus was moved with compassion. Why was he moved with compassion? Mark says because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were people without a purpose. The second was Mark 9.36 says, states that because they were weary and scattered sheep that they were in need and so when Jesus lifted up his eyes, he saw that in them. He saw the need. He saw they needed to care for. He saw that they needed help. He saw that they needed to be invested, right? You know, great works of God happen when one is moved from within. When one is moved within. There's a difference between compassion and sympathy. I know that um, Pastor Sean's um, dad just passed away this week. We've been praying for him. He died of cancer. And a lot of us will send sympathy cards, right? We'll send sympathy cards. We're sorry for your loss, right? And that's the extent sometimes of what we do, that we think that we've done our due diligence by sending a sympathy card. But compassion is having this feeling of sympathy, but putting feet to it, putting effort, turn works into it. Like it's much more just to feel, not to feel sorry, but how do we respond to the needs that I see by moving, by moving forward and doing something about it? That's compassion. Compassion is taking action. That's what we're called to do, right? He was moved to do something. There was a heart, heartfelt compassion to do something. And I love this. Jesus didn't judge the people for their motives for falling. He didn't cast stones for their sin. He had compassion on them. Guys, when we're ministering to people, we start with compassion. That's where we start first. They can tell us their story. They can tell us whatever they want, right? But we need to be people of compassion. That's where we start, right? But you know what? The disciples, they missed it. They missed this compassion moment because they wanted to dismiss the people, right? They, dis they wanted to dismiss it. In Mark chapter 6, 35 and 36, it says this, when the day was now far spent, we're starting getting into, down into the day, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place. And already the hour is late. Hey man, we've been here. We've been laboring. It's tired. It's getting dark. Send them away that, we may, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to him, you give them something to eat. Ah, oh, what was going on here? Guys, when there's need, we can't ignore it. We can't drive by it. We can't, we can't do, we can't see. And the disciples wanted to ignore the need. Hey, it, there's a lot of people, it's getting, we're tired. Man, we working. They have to go eat. You know what was really going on? You know what they were saying? I'm tired and we want to go eat. 
And he's, he was ignoring this opportunity and just saying, Jesus saying, no, 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 no. Like, that's not the problem. That, don't give excuses. It's time for us to serve the people, right? We have a responsibility to feed the people so we can't ignore the problem. We can't ignore it. Guys, if there's things in our families, things in our things that we have to address, we can't ignore those things. We can't put them under the carpet. We can't sweep them under the rug. It's only going to get worse. We got to deal with the things that are right before us. And Jesus is saying, we're going to deal with this now. But I, I love this about Jesus. Even in the midst that he knows them, there's a reason why he says there's, there's, there's a reason why we're going to feed them. Because Jesus is always training his disciples. And Jesus is always training his church. He's always perfecting his church. Look at five and through nine. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this is, he said, to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. I love this. Jesus has it all figured out. He already has a plan of what he's going to do, right? I'm comforted by the fact that in this church, I'm trusting God, that God already has a plan. God's going to work it all out. So I don't have to stress over it. He's got this. He's got the guys. I may be the pastor of this church, but he's the chief shepherd. He's the head pastor. Jesus is. And so he will pastor. And so when things come, he's, he already has the plan, right? He's training his servants. We just got to respond to the need. Think about this for a moment, guys. Remember when we took in the Ukrainian refugees? It was, it was a moment of need, right? They had nowhere to go. We opened up our church. We served over like 200, and we were able to bless them to get to where they needed to be. And that was the moment that we met the need and had compassion on those that we were serving. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of effort. But we, were, we didn't ignore the problem. We didn't give excuses it, right? <clears throat> but he wanted to disciple them. He wanted to, to test them. He says, I'm doing this that they may test them, right? That they, they would have, they, they would, you know, when you take a test in school, for those who went to school and how to take exams, you're, you're tested to evaluate how much you know, right? How much you've learned. God will put us in testing positions to train us, to teach us. So don't despise those things. Don't despise the fact that God is training us and teaching us. Because he's preparing us for something. Guys, you can't go from point A to C without going through B. And part of that is the training and testing you need to be ready for so God can use you in a certain situation and circumstances. And so he's testing the disciples. He's testing them to train them. That's what he's doing, right? He's moving them from the physical now to to the supernatural. He's putting them in a a faith arena to begin to say, you're going to need this because later on you're going to have to trust, trust in me. God will always to grow us and to stretch us. He'll put us in testings to build our faith. He will do that. You might say, man, this is hard or difficult times come, but God is saying, nope, there's a reason behind this. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? We can't be like the disciples that give excuses why we can't go through that, right? But guess what? In the testing, Jesus begins to ask some questions. And the first question is directed to Philip. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? <coughs> Why did he ask Philip that question? Because Philip was from that neighborhood, Bethsaida. He goes, hey, this is, this is your hometown, Philip. Where can we buy bread? Because I think Jesus was looking for the homie hookup. Okay, Jesus was saying, I know you, na- I know, you know the hood. I know you know the neighborhood. Where can we get this food, where can we get some stuff to take care of these 20,000 people, right? I'm going to challenge this. What Jesus was doing, he was first looking inside the house to see what he had. What resources do we have to meet the need of this 15 to 20,000 people? And that's the first question we ask when we do outreaches. What do we have in this neighborhood? What do we have in this church that can meet the needs of our neighborhood? Because in this room, we have a lot of resource, whether you realize it or not. We have gifts, we have talents, time, treasure. You just got to trust God with it. And, and with trusting God with those very things, God will use you to use whatever he's created you to do to meet the need of other people. And so he started with Philip, and, he, and Andrew's going to jump in in a minute. And what he's doing is saying, what's in our own house? 
before we go outside to get something, what's inside our house? And we have to start there. What is in the house of the vision and the people and the resources that we have to, to care for people outside these doors? He starts with God's house first. That's what he does. And that's what he does here at New Vision, right? We have more than enough with those in the room. But you know what? The disciples, they were a little discouraged by what they saw. They were a little discouraged by the obstacles that they were facing. Why? Because their vision was incorrect. They had their eyes on the wrong thing, okay? What is, what, right away, what does Philip do? He, he goes into an, a, an accounting mode. He's calculating the cost of the ministry, right? Man, this is going to take a lot of money to do this ministry. 200 denarii worth of bread will not cover, 200 denarii will not cover the bread that we need for this ministry. In fact, 200 denarii, but they believe is between six months to a year's wages for some people. Like it would take a whole lot of money to feed these people. So he's, he's beginning to calculate all right. He's calculating the next move, but that's not how it works in the ministry, guys. That's not how it works in God's kingdom. There's a supernatural element that we have to what we do. It's not always about the Benjamins. It's not that we were saying, well, we can only do so much because we have only this amount of money. I've never operated that way. I always ask God, God, what do you want us to do? And I trust God will bring us the resource to do it because if I have the money, then I'm not having faith. And the reality of it all is this. The Bible says in Hebrews, says 11.6 that <coughs> without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God, I got to trust you to do what, what you do. I got to trust you to move in the ways that, I could, that you're going to move. Or then I'm trusting myself. I'm trusting my own abilities, my own, my own resources. We'll never see God do miracles unless we put ourselves in places of faith. Julie and I started this church in our backyard with a handful of people. No money, no support, no nothing. God said, plant a church. We said, we're going to do it. And by faith, we did it. And we got to meet all you beautiful people. And what God has done in the ministry and neighborhoods and parks and homeless shelters and a whole bunch of different things that God is doing. I, I can't even mean, we have 50 churches in Ethiopia. We got work all around the world. We've gone there. We multiple campuses. You just got to start with a mustard seed of faith. With a mustard seed of faith. You know, our world spends a lot of money and spends a lot of money to help other people, man. Just look at the budget that we just sent to Ukraine for war, man. Millions and billions of dollars to serve. And I'm not saying that that doesn't help. We have to understand, we have to understand money is not the solution to our problems. We'll always come up short if we put money first. Just because you put money in doesn't mean you're solving the problem, Right? Jesus was teaching and building the faith of the disciples. That's why he's testing them. Jesus has a reason for everything. You remember, we'll get into John chapter 11. Lazarus dies. His sisters call for Jesus to come. Hey, my brother's sick. Come, Jesus. And Jesus said he waited a few days before he came. Lazarus dies. <coughs> and then he comes. The sisters are mad. The, 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 the disciples are like, whoa, what are you doing? And they, they have this, Jesus has a conversation with the sisters and the disciples said, look it, I waited because I wanted to grow the faith of my disciples. And then he resurrected Lazarus from the grave. Maybe you don't feel like Jesus is on time, but Jesus is always on time. Because his number one thing is to build your faith, that you would trust him deeper and more intimately. That's where he's taking us. He's not taking us. We don't come to church because that's our duty. We should be coming because we're in devotion, a love relationship and devotion to God, that I want to learn more about who he is. Because if you made this a duty this morning, it's only a matter of time before you leave. Because now there's no heart matters in it. It becomes a work rather than a devotion. Right? It becomes legalism rather than love. It becomes following rules rather than following Jesus. That's what this whole faith thing is about. And he's teaching them these very things. He's, doing this, he's building our own faith. But I want you to see what happens. God would even, we have children here. God would even use little children to build our faith. He will use little children to do his work. 
We see that in verse 8 and 9, the generosity of a child. Look at this. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? First of all, Andrew is the brother of Peter, the apostle Peter, so Andrew and Peter are brothers. Andrew, is a, he has a gathering ministry. Andrew is the one who brought Peter to Jesus, and that's how Peter met Jesus. <clears throat> now, Andrew, still doing the same thing, he has this calling to personal evangelism. He has calling to meet with people and hang out with people and get to know people and probably having coffee with people and probably breaking some, you know, kosher things with people and probably, you know, whatever. And then, but he grabs this little kid. I don't know why. This little kid had a sack lunch. And he says, hey, let me bring, hey, he brought this kid. Hey, Jesus, there's this little kid here. He has a little bread, a little fish. He has all these things, but he's on the right move. He's getting the right direction. Like, yeah, yeah, this is it. You got it. Just bring it to Jesus. Then he says, but what, what can this really do, right? What, what can happen here, right? He has five barley loaves and two small fish. With that, barley loaves were like biscuits, right? But barley was for poor. The, the people who were poor had barley, right? He had five barley loaves and two sardines is what he had. Barley was used to feed animals, not usually people. In fact, the Jewish Talmud, which is like a commentary. When I study, I study commentaries. And there's people writing about scriptures. The Jews had commentaries about passages. In the Jewish Talmud, it says there's a passage where one man said, there's a fine, there's a fine crop of barley. And another man said, tell it to the horses and the donkeys. <laughs> that, that was people who had barley were poor. You had this poor kid hanging up at the Sea of Galilee with five loaves and two sardines. And Andrew comes to provide an option but his faith faltered. Notice the word, but, but what is this? What does this matter, right? In the midst of this great need, he had the judgment of insufficiency. He had the judgment of insufficiency. The word, but. Hmm. But what do you see of the child? He had a willingness to give. He had a willingness to give. The word lad in the language of the Bible, which is Greek language in the New Testament, is a Greek word for little child, for a little child. The little boy was present on the seashore and he came with meager provisions. Maybe he overheard Jesus asking Philip about food. Maybe he saw him with the food and brought it to Jesus. But the lad came with food like Moses came with a staff, like David came with a sling and like Esther came with her voice. God had a sovereign place for him. God was moving sovereignly here right? God wants to move sovereignly in our life. He wants to use us. He supernaturally placed this boy there. He didn't have the but, but. We can't be but Christians. I'm sorry if I offend anybody. <clears throat> okay. We got a full faith believers here. What am I trying to share with you this morning, guys? God can use you. In this world, we'll look at this world will look at you and say, what do you have to offer? You don't have much ability. You are nobody. But God has made us living sacrifices. What people have disposed of, God will honor. He will honor you. He will bless you in the work he gives you. In fact, Matthew's gospel, Jesus made a request for the bread and fish. He requested, can you bring the bread and fish to me? The lad was willing to give up his food. The lad gave it and God multiplied it, right? A simple gift can go a long way. The Lord knows how to reward generously. He knows how to do that, right? And the lad places provision in the hand of God. That's the best investment, best investment you could ever make. I'm sure Jesus honored the lad for his gift like he honored the widow and speaking about her gift at the temple. You are the barley loaves. You are the barley loaves. God holds you in the palm of his hand. <clears throat> you accepted him. He's working in you. He puts his trust in you. He's going to multiply things in you for the good of others. So don't look on your own resources. Look on the one who can resource you. That's who we trust. And lastly, guys, the third thing I want to share with you as we close off the passage is that <clears throat> Jesus ministered to the masses in an orderly fashion. We see that in 10 through 14, right? 
I remember I've done a lot of ministry over the years, and I actually about 50, 20 years ago I created a drop-in center for homeless kids. When we were I used to pastor downtown, and I used, a team of us were always used to go out on the streets downtown and minister to homeless kids and invite them, and then they could come up to our church and we would give them showers, we'd feed them, we'd we'd, we'd let them hang out, we'd let them rest. But I, I'd go out every Friday night for our outreaches, and um, I was just amazed how they worked. Homeless kids, they were like young adult kids, you know, between the ages of 16 to like 25. And what they'd do is they'd, they'd pick a block and they would gather and then they would all work that block and they would beg, they'd panhandle, they'd do all they needed to do. And they would, then they would get their money and they would come together and they would say, here, we have all this resource now. Let's go get us a place to, let's go get us a place to sleep and let's go get some food to eat. And they collaborated together to care for one another. That's what they did. Man, we're a bunch of misfits in this place. God, and God's called us to be together, to gather our resources that we can bring them to the house of God and we can be able to use it to care for others. But there's a way by which Jesus fed the multitudes and cared for the multitudes, right? But we have to understand that God is working in us, through us, that when we put our faith in Christ, we have God in us, the hope of glory lives in us, and we labor with him in the striving of the work that we do that he might empower us to do this great work. So there's even a collaboration with God and us working together. It's supernatural. It's the natural. The supernatural come together that makes us supernatural when we come by faith. So here's the strategic plan that God begins to lay out to feed the multitudes, and it's, he has order in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the multitudes. In 10 and 11, he has a strategic plan, right? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was, mass, there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in numbers about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed it to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. Number one, Jesus, verse 10, Jesus organized. He organized, right? He sat them down. There's 500 plus, we said it could be 50 to 20,000 people. Right? Luke's gospel says that they sat him down in groups of 50. He took the large group and made it smaller, right? He put, he put order in the midst of the chaos because, you know, that was going on. We have to have order when we do ministry. There has to be structure when we do ministry, right? But they didn't have belief in the fact that we don't have enough. Andrew, Philip, like, we don't, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough of this. We have this lab, but, but, but how much can that really care? Even if we give a little, only a little bit, what people will get. But what did they do? When Jesus gave them the instructions, they obeyed them. So even in the midst of their weakness and falters, the disciples still obeyed Jesus when he said, put them in these things. So he organized it. <clears throat> the second thing he did is that he prayed for it. Jesus prayed. We said in, in verse 11 that he took what he had happened, happened the, the biscuits and the sardines. And what he do is he said he looked up to heaven and he lifted it up to heaven and he prayed for it, right? He offered up, the, he offered the lad's giving. The, the, the little boy gave him his tithes and offerings. And when you guys give him your giving, guys, we lift it up before the Lord. We say, God, help us be good stewards of this. The resources of the people, the giving of the people. We want to bless others and help others, right? And so he's lifting this up. I hope that, guys, when you, when you eat today and when you get up and you ate and you eat a dinner, that you pray over your meals, that you give thanks to God for what he's provided. That's a part of our prayer life. That's a part of what he's doing. But I think he's lifting up and he's praying and he wants to, to multiply it, right? I find, and he gives, he says he gave thanks. Thank you for the little boy. Maybe even thank the little boy. But he thanked the boy's offering. He thanked for what the, the young boy gave and he gave thanks to God for what he had, for the resources. God, thank you for the resources, the blessings that you've given us that we can go about your business. I find it very interesting. Paul writes to, young, um, to, young, uh, to the Philippian church. In Philippians 4, he says, when you're feeling anxious and worry, he said, give thanks to God. Let your request be known to God. Here's, here's the promise. And he will guard your heart and mind with peace. Maybe people were stressed. Maybe people were worried at the time. Maybe people wanted to eat. They're tired. They're without you, but they're, they're, they're going through it. And Jesus says, thank you with the food. Thank you with the food. And he, he prayed over it, right? First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, you talk about the will of God. What's the will of God for our, our lives? It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will that we give thanks is God's desire that we give thanks. And then what does he do? Then he distributed out the blessing. Can you picture this? A handful of business and sardine. He lifted it up. 
They're sitting in groups of 50, all over by the Sea of Galilee. And he takes the bread and he starts giving it to each of the disciples. He's giving it to them. And then the disciples are going out and giving it and serving the people. Now, I don't know if it's still in the hands of Jesus and the disciples are coming to Jesus and they're getting the bread and the sardines and then they're going and it never runs out. When the, when the stuff is in the hands of Jesus, the ministry is in the hands of Jesus, the resources are in the hands of Jesus, it never runs out. It never runs out. It's a pipeline. It's a pipeline of blessings. And they just keep coming and coming and coming. And then and, and they're just passing it out to the people. That was the greatest food distribution I've ever seen because we've done food distributions here and it gets crazy, right? <coughs> but he, there, that was the fifth miracle. And the Bible says they gave to them as much as they wanted, right? It was an all-you-can-eat event on the seas of Galilee with fish and bread and everything, right? Multiplication was by division. You go smaller to go bigger, right? Did you see it? Let's put them in groups of 50. Boom, 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 boom. So we can care for them. That's our strategy for new vision. We're not trying to be a mega church here. We're going to be a multiplying church. We're going to plant churches all over our city. We got one here. We got here. We want to plant one in Vadio. We want to plant one in Lemon Grove. We want to plant one in Linda Vista. We want to plant one in North Park. We have vision for multiple cities that our church needs to be in, and we're raising up leaders, and we're going to go just plant these churches so we can minister to the multitudes. That's the vision. That's what we're doing here. We're just going to be the, the bread. We're going to be the biscuits for our city. We're going to be distributing and we're coming, getting out of the hands of Jesus that he will bless us to these ministries and then take it to Mexico and take it to DR and take it to India and take it to all the nations. That's what we're doing here. Your resources is doing that through the hands of Jesus. And we see that it is a supernatural ministry as we close in 12 to 14. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who eaten. And then those men, when they had seen the signs Jesus had did, said, truly, this is truly the prophet who came to the world. I love this. They got to eat all that they wanted. And it says that they were filled. They were satisfied. They were gluttons. Actually, the Greek word says gluttons. That's what it means, right? Their, their stomachs were full. The people were content. Physical needs were met. Jesus satisfies the people in the physical sense. Later, he will be the one who will satisfy them in the spiritual sense. Our desires and cravings are unmet desires, and Jesus is the only one who can completely satisfy. We might be going after all this craziness stuff up there, relationships or money or education. Those things will never satisfy, though they're good achievements and we could have goals, but those won't satisfy you. Only G be the one who's satisfied. What would have happened if the disciples would have dismissed everybody? What would have happened? They would have missed out on the blessing. What would have happened if everyone got, everybody went home the way they came? They came hungry, famished, weak, and fainting. That's the condition they would have went back, but God changed all that that day, right? And what did he do? He provided a doggy bag for the disciples. He took some food home for the disciples because he says that, he said, now gather up what is left over. <coughs> they gathered up all left over. It was 12 basket full of bread. The basket wasn't a small basket. In fact, the Greek word is the same type of basket they used to when Paul was being persecuted in the city in the book of Acts. They said they let him out in a basket out of a window. That's a man. They put him in a basket. That's the same Greek word, meaning that that basket was big. It wasn't a small basket. It wasn't a baggie he took home. It was a barrel of a bag. And, 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 he said, and why? He, I can only imagine he's giving it to each of the disciples to take home to bless and saying, I just want you to understand faith. I want to understand what God can do. Guys, there's things that God will do when we walk by faith. He'll show us just for us. He'll bless us for, for just for us, right? God is building our faith. He's building the disciples' faith to serve him. He never blasted Philip. He never blasted Andrew for unbelief. He just grew their faith. Guys, you guys are all at different places in your walk. We're here to help you build your faith. I'm not here to throw stones on you. I'm not here to put you down. I'm here to teach you the word that you would grow your faith. 
Because I believe healthy sheep breed healthy sheep. Jesus didn't judge the woman that was caught in adultery. He says, where are your sinners? Go and sin no more. <laughs> he defended her. He defended the Samaritan woman, right? And the miracle provoked the faith of those who were watching. There was a reaction to the feeding of the 5,000. He must be a prophet. He must be a prophet. He was a prophet. The one Moses spoke about in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 18:15. there would be a prophet that comes. I, I, I only could imagine they probably reminded them of the story of the wilderness when they provided manna from heaven. They were thinking of the Old Testament and they're like, oh, just, we got food. Like the people in the wilderness got food. They got manna from heaven. We got breads from the hands of God. That's what God does. He gives us and provides straight from his hand. Guys, as we close this morning, I want to leave you with these three thoughts. <clears throat> Challenge you to be compassionate people. That God will resource you in the ministries. Number one, we will see the need of the multitudes all around us and we can't ignore it. We can't ignore the need. As God's people, we need to move and serve. Here's number, number two. We don't need to be overwhelmed by the need. God will provide. We don't need to be, have to be overwhelmed. Guys, when we're overwhelmed, that means our faith isn't, we're putting our faith in ourselves, not in God. We, we pass it on to God and let God do the work. And number three, guys, we have been sent out to service to the needs of those around us. We need to be a servant. Not everybody will be famous, but everybody can be great because Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is a servant. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for your love and blessings. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace, Lord. And Lord, I pray your hand upon your people this morning, Lord. Father, may we be compassionate people. May we be generous people, like the little boy who gave of what he had, Lord. Father, you're calling your church to be generous in serving, generous in their time, generous in their giftings, generous in their resource, because when we do all that, we're putting our trust in you. Father, if there's needs that need to be met, if there are things that are going on in this body, Father, may you be the pipeline of blessing. Father, we cannot trust the men, but we can only trust in God. Men will let us down. But God, Thanks you again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. Everybody said, see you next time. Yeah.